the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another episode of the Michelle Tafoya podcast. You know, we hear a lot about DAs and state prosecutors, state's attorneys who don't really want to punish people anymore when they do wrong. Nowhere was this better pointed out than an article by our next guest, Adam Coleman. He calls himself the president of Ain't Blackistan. He is next. Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya podcast. So I live in Minnesota, and there is a Hennepin County District Attorney named Mary Moriarty, who was called out by our next guest because she has shown leniency to murderers, uh, particularly teenagers who have committed murder, not accidental murder, just murder, and has decided that the data suggests that we shouldn't incarcerate them because too many of them are already incarcerated. So sorry, victim. Um, I'm going to let this guy go. Adam B. Coleman, who calls himself the president of Ain't Blackistan. He is black. You'll see in a moment. But he does not go along with all the typical narratives that you would see um, from from people who like to generalize people like Adam. And uh, he is the founder of Wrong Speak, speaking wrong at the right time. He's just grown and grown. We had him on earlier in the early days of this podcast, and we're happy to have him back to talk about this story in Minnesota and some others. And he brings such a wonderful perspective. If you hadn't heard him before, you're going to really enjoy Adam now. But first, I want to ask you if you're losing your hair. I think right now we're all losing our hair, or maybe it just feels like our hair is on fire. But if you're one of those millions of Americans, whether you're male or female, no matter what your age is, and you are noticing premature hair loss, and you're thinking, oh, this runs in my family, I know it's going to happen. There is a real solution that delivers on its promise without the harsh side effects, unwanted chemicals, and unpleasant smells. Thanks to our friends that develop GenuCell skincare, Provia uses a safe natural ingredient called Procapil to effectively target the three main causes of premature hair thinning and loss. By supporting healthy scalp circulation, the delivery of nourishing nutrients, and healthy hair follicle anchoring to your scalp, Provia guarantees, yes, I said guarantees, more hair on your head than in the shower or in your comb. Effective for men and women of any age and safe on colored, treated, and styled hair, it's that easy. And right now, new customers save over 50% off Provia's introductory package at ProviaHair.com slash Michelle. Every package includes a full 60-day supply of Provia serum for daily use, plus Provia 30, super concentrate for faster, more noticeable results. Provia works, guaranteed or 100% of your money back. See results for yourself right now. I, I don't know why you would wait. ProviaHair.com slash Michelle. P-R-O-V-I-A hair, all one term. Dot com slash Michelle with one L. ProviaHair.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E. His name is Adam Coleman on his ex, formerly Twitter account, founder of Wrong Speak Publishing, author, columnist, 
published by the New York Post, Newsweek, Epic Times, Federalist, Daily Mail, uh, Post Millennial, Publica Now, just prolific in his thinking and writing. And he stood up at the right time to show courage and conviction of his own beliefs in spite of what other people were saying. I love this kid. I call him a kid because he's younger than me. Anyone younger than me is a kid. Adam B. Coleman, president of Ain't Blackistan, is next. Adam B. Coleman, thanks for joining us again. It's so good to have you on. I, I, I teased this piece that you wrote for the New York Post. People see what they want to see, which means they choose to ignore what is inconvenient to their worldview. You talk here about a story regarding the district attorney uh, of Hennepin County, which is Minneapolis, basically. Mary Moriarty, what drew you to this story? I think what drew me to the story was um, I, I typically look for articles that talk about power dynamics between government and regular people or um, when, when innocent people aren't being listened to, you know, when there's a victim, like a real victim, not, not fake victims, mm-hmm. but real victims of something that is obviously uh, bad are being overlooked, overshadowed. Um, and especially when it's done by people who have authority, those are the type of articles that I'm attracted to uh, because I don't think they're highlighted enough. Uh, there's a lot of shiny news stories that are out there, you know, that are very sensational. But I think it means a lot to talk about like, hey, it's not right that this person who's supposed to be representing the victims, right? And 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 along with that, the families of the victims. And they're basically completely disregarding it because of their ideology mm-hmm. and what their their specific agenda of looking out for teenage um, convictions and getting that down. Their first priority is supposed to be, are they representing the victims yeah. appropriately? Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think victims are being necessarily reflect or represented appropriately. Uh, let me, let me continue to read from your article and we'll just go from there. In Minnesota, Hennepin County district attorney, Mary Moriarty is facing stark criticism from victims and family members of victims in the greater Minneapolis area for her policy positions that give disproportionate leniency to rapists, pedophiles, and murderers, despite her previous promise to, quote, deliver more safety and more justice. Well, I guess the question would be justice for whom, safety for whom. Uh, This one woman, Catherine Markey, her son uh, was was murdered uh, during a carjacking in 2019. And she recalls how she was told moments before a plea hearing that the DA was only seeking probation and not jail time for one of the teenagers involved in his death. And the mom lamented, quote, it is a trend definitely because of Mary Moriarty. She is playing public defender. The only thing is that's not her role anymore. What did she what do you what did you take away from that statement from the mom of this murdered young man? Uh, I thought it was a very interesting statement for her to say that she's basically uh, the the district attorney is going in there attempting to play both sides right and rather than it, focusing on is she representing the victims appropriately like if they're bringing charges to someone that means they already did their due diligence to say that this person is worth convicting right so that means that they're approaching something of justice that something that is already fair from that point from that point on once you bring charges 
your advocacy for the defendant isn't there anymore. Your advocacy is supposed to be for uh, the person who was harmed right. in this case. Um, and, and also because that person is no longer here, the family members, right, of the person who was harmed. Um, so I think it's very telling of what she's saying, because I think based off of what I've been learning, that's what it sounds like to me. There, there is another mom, Sharice uh, Bennett, um, felt a similar shock in reaction to Moriarty's leniency when she was informed that the teen who murdered her son, Danielle or Daryl Freeman, excuse me, wouldn't face any prison time. Let me repeat that. The teen who murdered her son wouldn't face any prison time. I couldn't breathe, Sharice moaned. I said, I just got to get up, out, get up out of here. I would never have imagined in a million years that it would have went that way. However, despite the disappointment coming from the victims and the victims' loved ones, Moriarty remains rigid in her philosophical approach to minimizing the number of young offenders who are incarcerated. So she's got this approach, if I'm reading this right, Adam, of I, I just want to keep young men out of prison. Is that is that yeah. fair? <laughs> I mean, basically. Um, and listen, it's not to say that is a necessarily bad thing when there are like, for example, like drug convictions. Yes. Sometimes I think we, we over punish for drug convictions. Agreed. Um, you know, for someone who who's possessing, maybe there should be more leniency for that in, in exchange for rehab, things like that. Right. But when you're talking about like the most heinous of crimes, like murder, um, you know, the, the advocacy <laughs> shouldn't be as, as strong in my opinion. Right. Um, if anything, it, it should remain, considerably harsh when it comes to something like uh, the loss of someone's life and being responsible for it. So I, I don't understand the, the basically the one size fits all approach to saving each child uh, who is, maybe they grew up in a broken home. Maybe they, you know, they're affiliated with some gang from a, a young age and they turned out and got into this mess. Um, well, I mean, that's not your fault. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, they are still involved in a murder. Yeah. Um, and they should be punished adequately. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I couldn't agree more. Moriarty, this DA in question, says, quote, I think it takes a lot of courage, actually, to act upon what you say you're going to do. I knew we would get a lot of pushback, but if you're truly going to make change... If you truly care about your values and you want to have integrity and you believe in research and look at the data, these are the right decisions and I stand by them. 
I'm not sure what research and data she is talking about, but the term <laughs> data, Adam, gets used as sort of a, a weapon here uh, for, in a kind mm. of a, uh, a way uh, people hide behind data that is often manipulated for the purposes of the people researching or, or putting that data together. I, I, I could find any statistician, a, any research analysis that could counter her data just by manipulating the numbers or something. So she's calling on data and research rather than the fact that a young man was murdered and saying, right. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm truly going to make change by letting these kids go free. I, what does this accomplish? Uh, what does it accomplish? Um, nothing that we want, nothing that a normal person would want. Uh, this accomplishes her objective to be a good savior uh, of children, especially black children. Um, and if that means that you kind of, you know, dust your hands and say, you know what, don't do it again and just let them, you know, get out of jail free card, you know, with probation while being involved in a murder, then then so be it. Um, I mean, like you said, you can use numbers to validate anything that you want. Yeah, um, I've seen racists use numbers to validate their uh, hatred of somebody. Uh, you, you see it all over the place. Um, there are valid ways to use data um, in an analytical, non-biased way. And then there are ways that you can manipulate and validate whatever you're trying to, you're trying to accomplish. Well, it seems as though if, through the legal system, she's trying to achieve some, some, um, sort of vague form of justice rather mm -hmm. than look at a case by case basis and say, you know what, young man, you murdered another man. You're going to jail. I, I, you know, I, no matter if she's just going to lump that criminal in with all the numbers that you and I just referenced in terms of, you know, over punishment of drug possession and the like. And she's going to just say, well, we've got it. We can't have these kids going to prison, uh, but mm -hmm. he murdered someone. And you're leaving a mom going, what? The, you know, I, it's um, progressive. Here, I'm going to read from you again. What Moriarty is showing the public is that her tears are no match for her hubris and that the injustice they may experience is a feature, not a bug. Progressive ideologues like Moriarty believe that every system, especially the criminal justice system, is fundamentally flawed. And the only way to course correct is to radically shift the direction of society's boat even if it means some may fall overboard. Yes, this course correction has kind of flipped everything upside down rather than, mm -hmm. again, case by case basis. Uh, it seems to me we've just said, you know what? Let's throw the baby out with the bathwater and start all over from this completely backwards place. I, it concerns me. It confuses me. But more than that, it concerns me. What what do you see as as the counter to this. Do you think that people are starting to wake up to these ideologues? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm one of these people, especially the longer I've been doing this and writing about it and looking at things. And then on top of it, going outside and just remembering like growing up and, and being around different people. Um, you know, I've lived in different states, different jobs, been around people of all different backgrounds. And generally speaking, no one really acts the way that uh, either the media is trying to perpetuate or that these particular ideologues feel about society. Like it's rare to find someone who actually is like this 
And it's even rarer to find someone who, who wants to put it in practice. Um, is it more now than it was before? Probably because it's it, now it's in the lexicon as far as, um, you know, talking about white supremacy and all these different things. Uh, these weren't phrases that uh, regular people used, but I still believe that most people don't care about any of this stuff. Don't, they don't care about the ideology. They don't care about progressivism. They don't believe in these things. They know that there's two genders. They're like, they, these are, these are um, insane concepts to most people who, and, and they just roll their eyes because they have bigger problems, right? And my issue is that when these people, and, and they generally are attracted to positions of power because their objective is to change society, you can only change society if you have power to do so. So when they get in these positions of power, they inflict what they believe on everybody else right. because their objective is to change no matter how many people you piss off because they'll say stuff like change is difficult, right? Meaning change is difficult for you, <laughs> right? And you're going to be uncomfortable when I start changing things, but that's what needs to be done. That is, that is their mentality is to do things at uh, any means necessary. It doesn't matter if I steamroll you. It doesn't matter if I, if I hurt anybody in the process, they'll get over it. Change needs to happen. Um, and that is the dangerous part because for many of these people, and I don't, I don't know this DA personally, but they probably are well-intentioned people. I think mm -hmm. most of these people are actually well-intentioned, but the problem is, uh, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Yes. So I think that is what we're facing. The, the, you know, it's, listen, we can't ignore the times we're living in and we've just, we're in kind of this two weeks out now from October 7th, the awful day um, in Israel. And mm -hmm. you're seeing groups now, large groups, and they continue to grow, Adam, which is, which is now kind of alarming to me. And these are groups protesting on behalf of Palestine, but they say, I support Hamas because mm -hmm. this is what's needed in order to right an ancient wrong. Um, you could call it ancient, you could call it, you know, an ongoing wrong, whatever you want to call it, but to support terrorism, be, this is kind of the same thing you're talking about. Like I am going to go so far to the extreme to make a change that I'm going to ignore history. I'm going to ignore that there have been negotiations. I'm going to ignore the fact that Hamas is funded by Iran. I'm going to ignore mm -hmm. all the atrocities and say, if this is what we have to do to right a wrong, yeah, I think we should do it. How, how are you looking at what's going on right now? And, and, and also seeing that Black Lives Matter, in Chicago anyway, is supporting uh, this, this effort by these terrorists in, in Gaza. Well, uh, <laughs> a, I mean, I it is, it's a very, I know it's a very sensitive topic. Uh, I tend not to talk about it too much because Why I is that? see how, because I, if I'm completely honest, what it reminds me of is 2020. It reminds me of the BLM 2020 moment where there were a number of black people who were on edge because of George Floyd. And so when someone asked a rational question about something, everybody became, well, you must be a racist. I was like, no, I'm not a racist. I'm just asking a particular question. I don't know these things. Uh, why aren't you wearing 
why aren't you wearing this? Why don't you have the BLM flag? Why aren't you showing this? Why isn't your, your uh, avatar black, right? And then it becomes like this whole social pressure to do certain things when most people just say like, I think killing innocent people is a bad thing, no matter who's being killed. Like that's basically my stance on, on just about everything here and supporting anybody who, um, who thinks it's a good and sound strategy to target innocent people, right? Not, not, not accidental, accidental casualties of right. war, right? But to specifically target and maim and rape and kidnap innocent people. Um, I think that is a bad thing. And I don't think you should support that. Right. Um, especially it, that that's not a, um, you know, cause we could talk about the American military and we could talk about like offshoots of someone in some sector that did something that they weren't supposed to do. Right. But those people, they get court-martialed. Right. But this is something that was a planned attack. They specifically wanted to do this. This was part of their terror campaign. Mm -hmm. Right. So it can't be, this isn't like a, something on the fringe. Right. This was the plan. Yeah. This was the objective. Yeah. And if I see that, I cannot support that. Right. Now, as far as Palestinians go, uh, one of my, my old friends from, um, from my childhood is a Palestinian, got to know his family. And that was actually my first exposure to uh, people from the Middle East was through his family. And I got to understand a little bit better as far as what like how emotional it could be a mm -hmm. uh, quick, funny story. It's not, fu it's funny now, but it wasn't funny then okay. I, I was younger and I didn't understand like Palestine and I didn't understand that stuff. I would confuse Palestine and Pakistan. And <laughs> I remember being at his, his house with him and his like three brothers. And I was like, Oh, like Israel. And they all stopped <laughs> and looked at me and they said, Palestine. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like <laughs> they, they're dead serious about this. So like, I get how emotional it can be mm -hmm. um, and how serious it is for a lot of people. Um, but I think there, there should be a distinction between Palestinians and Hamas. Yes. Um, and, I, and I see also, and one thing that disturbs me is I see people say Hamas uh, wins in their elections overwhelmingly. Now, that, to me, that's like saying um, Saddam Hussein wins elections <laughs> overwhelmingly. <laughs> like... Okay, but who else is running? Yeah, I mean, is it, it like are they strong arming everybody? Yeah. Is that is that the only option that exists? I right. have no idea. Right. I'm not even saying that I do, but right. I don't know. But right. that's what it feels like to me when when people try to use that um, as a validation as to why. Uh, so they voted for Hamas. They support Hamas. So f them. We don't care if innocent people die. I don't think that's good either. These are really troubling times, and I know that you are are navigating them like everybody else. And you're so thoughtful, yeah. which is what I appreciate about you. But it, it, as we sit here today in the, the autumn, the final quarter of 2023, I like to ask this question. What makes you hopeful, Adam? Is there anything that you're seeing out there in the world that brings you hope? Yeah. I mean, um, the fact that we're sitting here, we're having conversations about it. Uh, we're actively doing stuff. I meet people all the time um, who were, I, I like to say, like activated in 2020 uh, because they saw something was wrong in society and they decided to do something about it just like I did. Um, so it, it's people like myself and, and yourself and others who said, you know what, 
uh, my life is fine, but I want to do something else, something that I feel would be more beneficial. Mm -hmm. I want to try and help. I want to get into some sort of activism. Um, you know, I, I just see I see that as a very, very positive thing, especially because they didn't have to. Like I, I had an IT career. I, could, I, didn't, I didn't have to do any of this stuff, right. um, but I felt compelled to do something, to say something. And, um, and now I'm, I'm sitting here with you. So I'm very optimistic for the future. And I get even more optimistic when I get responses from regular people who are unable to say something, but they appreciate that I am yeah. saying something. Um, and that tells me everything right there, um, that the voices of regular people are being stifled. It wasn't just my voice mm -hmm. that felt stifled during 2020 uh, in the BLM riots um, as a black American who didn't agree with BLM movement, who didn't agree with all this stuff, didn't like it that people were uh, burning buildings down and, and terrorizing others in the name of blackness. I didn't like that. Um, but I also wanted to, um, I wanted to use my voice to do the right thing, uh, to, to say my piece. And what I've just basically found was that saying my piece is actually what a lot of people really want to say too. They just don't have the ability to. So, um, like how you were reading that article from New York Post, I don't take for granted every single article that I've written for the New York Post. I, I literally go and get the newspaper every time. So we save it in a scrapbook, um, because you never know when the last article will be, um, and, you know, give it to my son, but I'm very proud to, to do that. And, and I've, I've written touched, touching articles where people contact me and say, thank you so much for saying that. And, you know, th they tell me their stories and it really means a lot, yeah. uh, for someone to actually like, uh, have a voice of the common man, um, and, and have a platform like the New York post to say it. Yeah. And you, your platform continues to grow and I am, I'm such a fan of yours. And I, I feel like we, we do connect on that, on that feeling of wanting to do something, wanting to help bridge the divide. Really. It, it's because I do think we all have far more in common than we have, you know, that then, then we would think right now, given the, the mm -hmm. way of the world, how fulfilled do you feel by this change in your life, by this, you know, this big step that you've taken, because I'm sure as much as you get the wonderful comments and the warm responses and the appreciative support that you clearly get, there's mm -hmm. gotta be some pushback. And I, I, I just want to get your net net. How's it going for you? Um, overwhelmingly positive. Oh, good. Uh, I want to say, 99, 98% positive. Oh God. Um, and the negative I tend not to see, like, I don't go through, I don't scroll through comments. And yeah, stuff I don't like either. That. Um, I, I, I've, I've learned, especially about the human brain is that you can get a hundred praises, but if you see that one negative that sticks in your head, um, Ain't so that I just the don't... truth. <laughs> <laughs> so I tend not to seek it out. Right. Um, but like, sometimes like someone will send me like a, a negative DM and I'll just like, I'll take that and I'll, I'll reply with some, some humor to it. Yes. And then I'll, I'll showcase my humor to everybody else. Like, oh, look, I got fan mail, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it doesn't, it really doesn't even bother me. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very few and far between that I get negative messages. Part of the reason is because I'm not very controversial. Um, I don't antagonize people. I say how I feel about things, but I'm very considerate as to what words I use, how I use those words. And I think that 
the energy that you put out is the energy you get back. And so because I don't put out negative energy, I generally don't get negative energy back. And when someone does give me negative energy, I have an audience to say like, yo, look at this person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they're coming at me like that. Yeah. Um, and they, they look uh, crazy yeah. and I look fine. So yeah, um, yeah I, I, I will say that it feels great to have some sort of impact and help people, you know, um, wrong speak publishing is growing. Um, I now have a staff of people, um, and, and I'm conti con uh, continuously growing. We're now getting into book publishing. Um, you know, we, we got into journalism this year, uh, and, and it's something that I didn't foresee, you know, wrong speak started as a, as a blogging platform for me to complain about stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> But then, you know, it's expanded to a place for other people. We have guest posts, we have columnists, we have journalism, and uh, we just launched our first book outside of my book. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's a fictional book, uh, but it talks about the media and the uh, impact on society, kind of George or Orwell kind of sounding. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for the future. I, I am excited for you. I, I just think that uh, as your community, as your platform continues to grow, I think it encourages and inspires more people to stick to their values, to not waver, to be strong, and mm -hmm. to be able to say some things that they might not have been totally courageous enough to say maybe three, four years ago. So I applaud you. Um, and you're not controversial, Adam. And you are funny, by the way. I've seen some of your retweets you. of people's <laughs> things and they send you and it's fabulous. And I often Thank retweet you. them because I think this is the way that you handle it. That's that's lighthearted. That's funny. That's not malicious. Uh, but it just it does point out someone's craziness and and, and rightfully so, because if mm -hmm. they are going to call you something or suggest you don't know what you're talking about or, or anything like that. They deserve to be called out themselves, but rather than being malicious about it, you do it in a very light and fun way. And I think, I just hope that spreads. I really do. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to know you and happy to promote your stuff in any small way that I can. Thank you. No, and, and I really do appreciate it. And one of these days I'm going to make it back out to, uh, to Minneapolis. And, and we will we'll, sit down we'll... together. We'll connect this time. Absolutely. Is, of course, the one time I come to Minneapolis, you had to leave. But. I know. <laughs> I know. I find that happens more often than I, I wish. But with family all over the country, it tends to happen. But next time you yeah. come out here, uh, we will sit down. Uh, he is Adam Coleman, and he is the president of Ain't Blackistan, which I just think <laughs> is one of the most clever and wonderful things I've ever seen. Adam, Thanks again. And folks, check him out. There's, we have posted here for you all the places you can find Adam. And uh, like him, be brave and do good. And we'll see if things shake out for the better. See you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.